Hello, welcome to MPHX Online. We're so happy you're joining us. As always, you can have church wherever you're at by heading to mphx.org slash watch or visiting our page on YouTube. We hope you enjoy the message. Last week, we, um, uh, we uncovered, as we're going to do today, we uncovered the root of unforgiveness in our souls. And let me just tell you, like, um, man, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's heavy uh, what some of you have shared of what's happened to you and how deeply you've been wounded um, for the sake of confidentiality, obviously. I'm not going to share y'all's story that you guys shared with us, but there's a lot of pain uh, in this world. There's a lot of pain in this room. And my desire for preaching through this series about unforgiveness is to not allow the enemy to have strongholds in our lives that are keeping us from experiencing the fullness of freedom in Jesus Christ. And so I want the enemy to lose by exposing the seeds of hurt and pain that he has implanted in our lives. Doesn't mean the pain is not real because it's very real for you. It's very real for me. But I've recognized in my life and last week, you know, we talked about kissed by Judas if you weren't here. And let me just sum it up for you. I talked about how when the seed of bitterness has been planted, a bitter root will always produce bitter fruit. And I talked about just like Judas, how you can walk so closely with Jesus and still fall into the temptation of Satan. And how Satan in your life and in my life will always go through the door that we have left open. Typically, it's through insecurity and vulnerability. And we leave that door open for him. And we become bitter. And we become to slander people who are made in the image of God. And we become very angry. And, and, and we, we become, what I told my staff this morning, it's like if we are vessels for God, we become clogged vessels when unforgiveness enters our soul. And so what I want to do this morning, and let me just tell you what's happened this last week for me. Man, I thought, I thought that I have worked through the forgiveness of people, but I thought that because they were no longer in my life that it didn't matter. The truth was they could have went to a different country and they still had power over me because I haven't forgiven them. And God has been exposing. I wish you could see my journey. It's like a novel with a bunch of names that have hurt me on purpose or unintentionally. But it doesn't really matter to some degree. I recognize I have to let God do. I'm responsible for me. Here's what I want to do today. Sometimes in church, we love information. We love to get deep. But spiritual death doesn't come from more information. Spiritual death comes from more application. It's not enough to read his word, but we must apply his word. That's where it gets tough. This is why you'll come across people who are great Christians and they know so much about the Bible, but they're so mean. Let me tell you why. Because information without application 
doesn't lead to transformation. But information with application leads to transformation. Just because, why? Just because it's getting in your head doesn't mean it's getting in your heart. So what I want to do today, and the only person that got angry about that in this room is the person who God is stirring gently. It said, I want you to be transformed by me. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some hard heart work today. And I don't take lightly the topic of forgiveness and unforgiveness. Man, I don't know what you've walked through in this room. Some of you have been really, really hurt by people who, who you brought in close to you. And it just betrayed you and cut you deep. Some of you have been abused in ways that are just unimaginable. Some of you have had your name slandered by people. And it is It has ripped you apart and it has messed you up and there's hurt and there's pain and there's anger. But here's what I want to do. I don't want the enemy to win in our lives anymore. What I've recognized for me that I know that I'm free in Christ, but I've recognized that when I choose, choose not to forgive, that I experience limited freedom because all that I am is a bird in the cage with limited freedom. When I choose to forgive those that have hurt me, it's like God opens up that door and I have unlimited freedom to fly, that I am not chained by the pain that I've experienced. But let me tell you something else. It's only a work of God. It's a miracle when God comes into the heart that has been pained so deeply and opens up the door of forgiveness. It's a miracle. But I'm trusting my God for that miracle today in your life and in mine. What I want to do, and I'm going to ask God to stop playing the music if it's okay. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head, and here's all I want you to do. This is going to be hard, but you can do it. I'll do it with you. Who has hurt you? whose name comes to mind you can't stand stand the, the, the sight of their face and the sound of their name who is that allow God to reveal that what person or persons just allow God to bring that up today just allow him to bring it up Who have you imprisoned in your cell of unforgiveness? Your spouse? Your family members? This church? Father, we submit ourselves to you this morning. 
gosh, Lord, I don't know what people have walked through in this room. What you do, you know everything. You know everything. And God, we come to you and submit and we, we plead with you, we beg you. We, man, I don't want to forgive. We don't want to forgive. Don't want to. Would you help us? Would you help us to begin the process today of forgiveness? And it's a process. It's not a one-time transaction. It's a continual process. Would you help us today as we think about those people that have hurt us so deeply? Think about the organizations that have hurt us so deeply. We want to be set free. We submit to your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all ready? We could do this. The enemy does not want us to be free today. He will distract. He will get your mind somewhere else. He wants you to live in this prison of unforgiveness. Um, But our Christ wants to set you free. He wants the chains to fall off. Last week when we talked about this, this um, the root of unforgiveness, we, we began, let me recap for you if you weren't here. And by the way, uh, we're going to start the book of Esther um, after we end this series and go through it for the summer. Every once in a while, we will stop and do topics like this. Um, I'm not... Um, I'm not typically a topical preacher. I love going through books, but I do understand that there are seasons and moments where I think the church, you follow the spirit as a pastor and you understand what the church needs. I think this is what the church needs during this time. But even when we choose a topic, we're still expositional in our approach, which means you still take the text and you still part it the same way. And you let the text drive the message. You don't come up with a message and you find a bunch of, you let the text drive the message. So when I approach the text, like I did last week, the reason why I break it down the way I do is for several reasons. I uh, want to show you how I take every word and break it apart and see what God is saying so that when you have your own personal time with God, you're able to approach the word of God in the same way. It's challenging sometimes if you don't know how to approach the, God, uh, the word of God and find out what he means. That's why I do this every single Sunday. So let me recap what we did last week if you were not here. We, re- we went through verse 30 and 31. Today, we're just gonna focus on verse 32. What I did last week is I talked about when pain enters, that pain is real, when you have been hurt by somebody and pain enters your life, somebody has hurt you, whether you were five or six years old, whether it was yesterday, nonetheless, the pain is very real. What the enemy typically does through that pain is when pain enters, it opens up a wound in us. When the wound is open, it's a vulnerable time for the enemy to plant a seed of bitterness. When the seed of bitterness is planted, the enemy, if we are not careful and if we don't uproot the seed of bitterness and unforgiveness, the enemy will begin to water this seed of bitterness. When the seed of bitterness is watered in your soul, no matter how much you lead in the church, no matter how much you read, no matter how much you teach, 
It always remains the same. If you have the seed of bitterness, if you have a bitter root, you will produce bitter fruit. So what Paul is saying to this church today, this is a Christian church, there's a reason why in verse 31, he is letting them know, get rid of the bitterness that's hurting the church. There's bitterness because you didn't get your way, so now you're mad. There's bitterness because um, we're not going a certain direction, now you're mad. And so Paul is saying, stop it. Stop being bitter towards one another because there's this unfolding that happens with the text. Here's what happens. Let all bitterness, here is the seed that is planted when something, an offense has taken place, the seed of offense has been planted. If you allow that to stay in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, it begins to be watered by the enemy. As I, I'm going over last week's sermon, anger in your soul turns into clamor. The clamor and slander, which typically looks like if you come across Christian people in this room or anywhere else, um, and you recognize that they make passive-aggressive comments towards another brother or sister, or they're constantly bashing the church, you can pretty much guarantee they have been hurt by the church or somebody in the church at some point in time. No matter how much they read their Bible, if this is the fruit of their life, there is the seed of bitterness in their life. Let me just tell you, be very careful not to allow someone to bring that in with you. I have from transparency, I have been this person where I was hurt, I became bitter, it felt unfair, and then clamor and slander was the next thing I did. And it it was a cycle of unforgiveness that kept me bonded to verse 31. I was a bitter person with a chip on my shoulder and I was not free. So let me draw you a picture to make this easy. And then we're gonna move forward from here. I'm just recapping. Uh, This is kind of what it's like when the seed of pain is planted. um, So I will use um, my own experiences so I don't out anybody else. Um, When I am hurt, let's pretend uh, that I have been hurt by multiple people. Never happened, by the way. Let's pretend. I have been hurt. Not by church people either. Church people don't hurt each other, by the way. (laughs) Not in this church. Maybe other churches you've been part of. In this church, we don't hurt each other. (laughs) By the way. (laughs) Mm -mm, That's it. (laughs) Let's pretend there are a bunch of people that are hurting me, my family, and my kids. The pain is real. I am hurt. Now, let me write the names for you of the people that have hurt me. I'm joking. (laughs) I am going to write my own name, okay? So nobody emails me and calls me up or somebody from the fifth grade thinks I'm talking about them. And if your name is Noe in here, I don't, I'm sorry. This is about me. Let's pretend the seed has been planted. Here I am. I am angry. I am hurt. I am frustrated. There's a sense of injustice. These people have put me through depression. They have messed up my sleep pattern. They have messed up my eating pattern. My kids are hurt. My wife is hurt. I am hurt. 
everything just circles and this anger and this wrath begins to build up as verse 31 says, I'm not getting my way. Some things aren't happening the way I want them to. You name it, whatever. Here's what happens if I allowed this seed to take place. If I do not bring this pain to God, this then becomes an open door for the enemy. Verse 31 proves it, by the way, if I don't bring it to God, it becomes an open door for the enemy. A seed of pain has been planted. It turns into bitterness and a bitter root will produce, this is a tree, by the way, a bitter root will produce bitter fruit. Watch this. This is all this is, is verse 31. It's the Bible. Verse 31 that we just saw in Ephesians 4, when the bitterness is implanted because pain has entered, the scripture says that after the bitterness and anger and wrath, these are all things in the heart. When the, when the enemy has gotten to the heart, he'll take it to the hands. Watch this. The scripture unfolds of bitterness, anger, and wrath. What happens next after it's dwelled in the heart for so long? Look at it, what it turns into. It turns into slander. Where we begin to talk about people and slander somebody's name because they hurt us on purpose or not on unint- or unintentionally or they're not doing what we want them to do or reacting the way we want them to react. Therefore, we slander their name. This is the fruit of the bitter root. Then malice, as the scripture kicks in, says this means you want people to pay for the pain that they have caused you. So you um, you wish ill will on their life. You don't want to see them succeed. Clamor is what scripture says. Clamor is when you want everybody to know about it. You go on social media, you make passive aggressive comments, you use whatever you do to draw attention to this so people change the way they view this person who is made in the image of God that Jesus Christ died for. This is the fruit of a bitter root. Now, and here's what ends up happening. This is the scripture. This is where we broke it all down right here last week, that this is what happens. And you would probably agree, you've come across Christians that have been hurt, and they, they filter everything, the leadership, the church, Christianity, everything through one experience. How many of you have ever gone to a restaurant, and you love the restaurant, and um, let's say Chick-fil-A, because I love Chick-fil-A, and it changes lives. If you've ever had a bad experience at Chick-fil-A, do you go back? Yes, you go back. (laughs) But for some reason, when you have a bad experience with the church, thank you, buddy. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, and, And you will experience this in the church and it's hard because hurt people hurt people and there's brokenness and there's wounds and they go so deep sometimes but I I, I wanna encourage us today now that we know this is the reality last week I shared with you the reality of when people hurt you here's what happens when people hurt us then I'm gonna move forward to exposing that we know what hurt is we've experienced it and then now we have to learn how to forgive here's what happens okay I'll use myself as an example 38 years old and and let's look um, at my life And as we all have, we've experienced pain. What we do when somebody hurts us typically is we just say, you know what, Um, I'm going to put you in the prison of unforgiveness because I don't like you, I can't stand you, and the truth is I will never let you hurt me like that again. I let you in, I trusted you, I was vulnerable with you, and you hurt me. 
And you hurt me deep, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you and a bunch of other people, whoever hurts me, goes into the prison of unforgiveness because I am tired of getting hurt and I don't want anybody else to hurt me. And here's what we do. Here's what I thought I was doing. I had all these people in the prison of unforgiveness, and I'm thinking, all of you hurt me, so all of you go here. You will never get another chance to hurt me again. You don't deserve to be let out of the prison. You sit in the prison of unforgiveness. How long? Uh, I don't know. I determine the time of the crime that you have committed. I determine how long you'll be in the prison of unforgiveness. And I thought, I think sometimes, that when people hurt me, that I am the judge and the authority to determine when they will be forgiven. I often think that when people hurt me, I place them in the jail of unforgiveness, depending on their crime will determine the, 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 the time, right? So depending on your crime will determine the time. If you slandered me and hurt me a little bit, you can go play, but go somewhere else and play. If If you were the person that came into my life when I was five and you abused me, you are going to sit there and you would never come out because I cannot stand what you have done to me and you have hurt me deeply. You are never coming out and I will determine how long of time you will sit there. But here is the truth. As I said last week, when we do that and we place people in the prison of unforgiveness and we are the gatekeepers and we think we are the judges and we determine the time and the sentence they will serve, here is the truth. When you think that you are determining their time, you are actually paying for their crime. Because you are not truly free thinking that you are the gatekeeper. You are actually the prisoner. You are the prisoner for the offenses that they have brought on to your life. You are the one sitting in the prison of unforgiveness, thinking that you have power and control of the cell when really the cell controls you and has power over you. And and let me just tell you, I don't speak to you. I speak and dive in the text with you because I understand what it means to not forgive and have to go through the process of unforgiveness. I understand what it means when God is saying, forgive that person. I'm saying they don't deserve it. I don't want to set them free. You ever been there? They don't deserve it, God. They don't deserve it. And then God is saying, pray for that person. I don't want to pray. I don't want to say their name. He's like, pray for them. I don't want to pray for them. And you begin to pray for them. It's like, all right, God, I pray for so-and-so. I pray. Can I get real today? I pray for their life that you will bless them. Not yet, but one day. I pray for their marriage, God, that their marriage will be fruitful. God, I pray for those ugly kids of theirs, God, that you will even, you know, you know I'm just, I have nobody in mind when I say that. But you know, you know when you filter it through unforgiveness, you, you, everything is tainted. And y'all laughing because you've thought that. But unforgiveness is, it's hard to move into that next step. And we've all experienced this and we've all faced it, but let me, Let me give you a um, biblical reason to forgive. If, If 
nothing else has motivated us to help us to understand that we become the prisoners of unforgiveness. Listen to what Jesus said. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's a hard pill to swallow. And we want to find loopholes, right? Like the, the, the deeper the wound, God, then you understand that I don't actually have to forgive this. Let me be very clear about something is sometimes we think that forgiveness and reconciliation go hand in hand. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. I have forgiven what happened to me when I was five. Well, you think I'm going to bring my kids around to the person that did that to me and then have a barbecue and hang out and be best friends? I don't think that's what God would expect of me. If God called me to do it, I pray through it. So I'm not saying go be best friends with the people that have deeply hurt you. But I'm saying set yourself free. Look what the scripture says. This is not compelling enough for if. This is a word. You know what this means in the Greek? If. <laughs> if. For if. 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 Meaning you can insert free will that God has given us. I don't know where your doctrine lies, but there is free will. And so when Jesus, is, this is the Sermon on the Mount, he just, he, is, he taught them how to pray. He's teaching them how to live as Christians. And he is saying, this is going to be a miracle in your life if you can do this. But look, if, if you forgive, if you choose to, and we're going to break apart this word in just a minute. If you forgive, meaning you have the decision and choice to forgive. If you forgive others of their trespasses, what is Jesus saying? The trespasses are real. He's acknowledging that you have been hurt. Jesus is not diminishing the pain that they have walked through or we have walked through. Jesus is acknowledging trespasses will happen. People will hurt you. So he's saying, if you choose to forgive those that hurt you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. So there is a reward for obedience here. This is the application. This is the spiritual transformation. You want to be set free? Apply this biblical principle of forgiveness. Watch this. If you forgive, biblical principle, forgiveness. The heart of God, forgiveness. If you forgive, who has to forgive? You. Sometimes we want, we only want to forgive once someone says they're sorry. But you may never get the I'm sorry. That's why your forgiveness cannot depend on their response. You may muster up the courage to reach out to someone and say, I forgive you for the pain that you have caused me, and they brush it off as if it was nothing. That will open up the wound again. This is why you cannot allow your freedom to come from their opinion. And so here's what he's saying. For if you forgive, you has nothing to do with the other party. This is you. If you forgive others, who are the others? Well, let's put a list of people that have hurt you and what they've done, their trespasses, the wrong they have done. Your heavenly father 
will also forgive you. This word forgive here in this text is going to change later on. And this one means you will be released. You will be set free. So Jesus is saying, if you forgive, if you set others free, I will set you free. And watch how this works. This is not a salvinic doctrine, by the way. This is not saying if you don't forgive everyone, then you can't be saved. This is not a salvinic doctrine at all. This is a relationship doctrine between you and your heavenly father. So uh, here's basically what he is saying. But if, another free will statement, you, it's on in your plate, on your plate, do not, you chose not to forgive, set them free from what they've done, neither will your father forgive you, set you free from what you've done. Let me show you how this works. Because some of you are sitting here thinking like, this just exploded my mind. You mean I cannot live free unless I forgive everybody? No, let me break this down. Um, I use my son right now because he is four and he doesn't know I'm doing this. When he gets older, I will stop. Um, but my four-year-old, like, I need prayer, y'all. This kid is off the chain. I don't know where he picks up some of the stuff he picks up. Um, we've tried everything. Exorcism, holy water. (laughs) But, but, but he, like, I don't, I just, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Um, this happened yesterday. We're at my son's baseball game. I don't know if we have a picture of Fallon or not. Um, I sent it in late. But we're at a baseball game, um, and the kids are playing, the younger kids. And my uh, six-year-old came, and um, she's losing all her teeth right now. And she comes in and said, Fallon said that I'm stupid. I said, slow down. Need a translator. What, what happened? Fallon called me stupid in front of all my friends. I said, all right. You go play, Fallon, come here. I said, Fallon, what happened? Well, she's a stupid sister. And I'm just like, buddy, you can't, like, where do you get that from? Like, you can't talk like that, son. And I, I'm serious. I, I don't know where he, I mean, I don't know if it's here at VBS at the church. I don't know where he gets that, but it's not my house. It's not my house. It's not my house. I promise you that. And so here's what I did. I said, all right. Um, Go tell her you're sorry. I don't want you to do another thing until you tell her you're sorry. And so I said, you understand me? And look at him right in the eyes. He's like, yes, sir. He takes off. Ten minutes later, she comes back and says, daddy, didn't say I'm sorry. And I said, okay. So I call him back. And like, we go through this battle, man. And, and he like looked at me right in the eyes like, come on, dad. You want the smoke? Come get it. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know what to do at this point. And... Um, I'm like, I'm all out of options. Um, and so I, I said, hey, son, like, you cannot do this, this, and this until you go tell her you're sorry. You have to understand the offense in this situation, and you have to own it, and I'm not letting you be free. I'm going to be on you until you forgive her or tell her you're sorry. You understand that? You got to make that move. So um, it took about 30 minutes. And I won, by the way. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and um, this is the thing about parenting. I have recognized, uh, for me personally, um, my kids will test my leadership because they want to see who's in charge. And sometimes as a parent, you can be so tired that you just let them do their own thing, right? I'm just exhausted. Do your own thing. 
But I stay on him, and what I tell him, and I tell all my kids, like, I'm saving your life by not letting you do what you want to do. Because God is the authority, and if you don't know how to submit to me, you would never submit to him. And so I'm teaching you how to submit to authority so you can learn how to submit to God. I'm saving your life. Go tell her you're sorry. So we sat there for 30 minutes. He finally did it. Um, but, but here's what happened in that moment, that my relationship with him, I'm still going to be his father, but my relationship with him was going to be affected until he went and made that right. Listen, there, there are too many Christians today in our, in our country that think we can just pick and choose the scriptures we want to apply because they're easy. But when it comes to having to do the hard thing and submit and asking God to do a miracle, listen, we can praise and talk about how great and miracle worker he is, but when it's time to actually let the word of God do the hard work in our hearts and be obedient to what he's calling us to do, that's where we tell God, I'm going to stop right there because that's too hard. And God's almost like, I thought you were saying, I'm so great and I'm awesome and I'm free. What happened to all that? Let me lead your heart. Guess what? I am the authority and I will not leave you alone. You can run off and go play, but I'm going to be right here and I will not leave you alone or let you have any peace until you make it right. Because when you make it right with the person that has hurt you, when you have forgiven them, you are displaying my love and my characteristic of who I am. I am forgiveness. And when you choose to withhold that, so when he says this, how, how, how in the world, man, I've never understood, I haven't been a Christian all my life, but there's one thing I could never understand about myself and other Christians. How, 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 how can we sit here and lead all this stuff and be so holy and so godly and, and every time someone hurts us or does something we don't want them to do, we put them in the prison offense and we slander and we hurt their name and we're filled with malice and clamor and we're mean to people. We're so mean to them. And then we turn around, praise God, hallelujah, so good. <laughs> then we wonder why we don't see movements of God in the church. Listen, you want to see God move in your life and in the church, be obedient to the hard stuff. It's like we put God in this box and say, God, would you work in my life, but here are the boundaries that you can work in, God. I want the dream that everyone's always talked about. So God, work, but work in here. Don't work outside the box, because that takes too much faith. I want you to work in the box that takes me no faith, God. Because if you work outside the box that takes too much faith, I don't want to do that, I want to do this. And if you ask me to do that, I probably won't do it. And we live, we live in, in that area, in that space. And that's why transformation is not taking place because when God calls us to do the hard things, we don't want to do the hard things. So here he's clearly saying, if you want this to be right and you don't want to be a clogged vessel, forgive this. You want to forgive this, this will, take, this will be a lot different. When you sit down and read your Bible, this will be different if this is where it's supposed to be. But you mess this up when you mess this up. And so this, is, this scripture is not about salvinic theology. It's about being a clean vessel and having clean and pure hands. Here are my hands, God. Here, 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 here it is. Here's all of it. So uh, let, let me show you what he does through the text here. So after he exposes the bitterness and all this that's in the church, listen to what he said. This, this is crazy to me that Paul has to tell adult people this. Look at this next statement. Look at what he says. Be kind to one another. 
It's, it's crazy. I had to tell my four-year-old, like, hey, go be kind. Don't call her stupid, okay? Be kind. It's like Paul is telling Christians, stop being so mean. Be kind. You know, in the Greek, it's an interesting phrase. You know what he uses in the Greek? He uses this phrase that this kindness is supposed to be provoked by circumstances that need kindness. That kindness is not based off of everybody doing what you want them to do for you. But kindness is based off of the Holy Spirit living out of the fruit of the Spirit. Being Jesus. Washing feet even when people hurt you. Be kind to people even when they can do nothing for you. Don't only be kind to people who do things for you. We look at kindness as a return on our investment. I will be kind for you because of what you can do for me. But when you don't do it for me, I won't be kind to you. And Paul is saying, listen, Christians, would you just be kind? Such an elementary principle, but so hard. Be kind to one another. Well, who are the one another's? Everybody. Be kind to the people who don't think like you. Be kind to the people who don't look like you. Be kind to the people who don't think like you. Be kind to people because people are made in the image of God and people have value. Be kind to people. And this is what he's saying. Be kind, be kind, be kind to people. And he says this, be tenderhearted. You know what tenderheartedness is? It is have compassion like Jesus. You know what's been really hard for me? And I've done this, and it's been a process that lately God has, has made me make a list in my mind of people that have hurt me and what they've done to me. And here's, this has been so hard to do. I have gone name by name, and I have taken this text of being tenderhearted, and, and, and when I begin to forgive, I have to recognize that, you know what, they are broken people, and their brokenness broke me. What happened to them when they were a kid? What happened? What happened when, when I made this change? Did it take away their significance? What, what happened when I didn't say hi to this person and they took it as me rejecting them? Why do they feel rejected? Did something happen to them? And it's amazing when you begin to look at people as human and broken in need of a savior, you begin to have a little more compassion. Because we set a standard on people that we would never set on ourselves. We set a standard on people to be perfect in every occasion, to respond the way we want them to respond, to never do any harm. But when they fail to meet that standard, we put them in the prison of unforgiveness, yet we don't hold ourselves to that standard. And so Paul is saying, would you, here's the standard. Be kind, be tenderhearted, have compassion. And then look at this. This is... I love this word forgiving in the Greek. It's different from the one Jesus just said. Paul uses this word forgiveness differently. It's a phrase here that, that really begins to say three things in this phrase. And I want you to write it down because it's the process of forgiveness. We're going to enter this process of forgiveness. And I'm going to try to zoom through this. So if you're taking notes, get ready to write this down. Here's what Paul is saying about this one word in the Greek, um, forgiving one another. This phrase right here um, has three different biblical concepts. The first is Paul uses the continual present tense in this phrase. Here's all this means. Paul is saying that you have to choose to forgive. It's not a one-time transaction. It's an everyday decision. You understand that forgiveness is not a one-time transaction. For everyone that I've placed in the prison of unforgiveness, I literally have to, 
every single day choose. I have to choose to forgive that person. You know what this looks like? It looks like this. There's a whole bunch of people back there. And I'm saying, if Paul is saying, choose to forgive every single day, I go through this process. I pray for them. I pray for their family. I pray for their children. And it gets easier and easier. And I do it as much as I can. And at some point, I finally recognize I don't have to pray for them anymore because I don't really care. Hey, number two, three, four, five, you're released. No, 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 not you. You still, I'm not done with you yet. You're next on my list. You can go. You know what I mean? If I can get real, it's like, hey, you're not all free. One of you is. You're going to, it's going to be a while with you. You go play. I don't care about you anymore. Have a blessed life. Or be my best friend, whatever you want to do with that. That's what that looks like. And and it's this, Paul is using this continual forgiveness. So every time I see that person, whether it's at church or at a restaurant in my family gathering, when I begin to look at them and I no longer have feelings of ill will towards them, I recognize I'm free. I'm free. Oh, I'm free. You know what the problem is? Watch this. Don't miss this. I know know I'm preaching long, but don't miss this. Watch this. Watch this. Um. Take that deep pain that happened to you. Zone in with me. Take that deep pain, what somebody said, what they did and didn't do, whatever it was. When when Jesus was in the garden and Judas betrayed him, Jesus let him in, let him see his weak spots as, as in his humanity, not his divinity. He saw when he was tired. He saw when he was hungry. He came in. Jesus brought him in and Judas betrayed him in the garden. But you know what the, what the scripture says is that, um, that that needed to happen in order for the will of God to be accomplished, which means that everything that happened to Jesus had to go through the father first so that God uses what the enemy in intended for harm to bring about good. Here is the problem with Christianity is that so, so many of us are still in the garden of bitterness, sitting there in that moment of betrayal, and you're not looking at the cross of freedom and forgiveness. It's time to get out of the garden. I know it happened. I know it hurt, but begin to walk in this. How do you walk in this? This word forgiving that Paul is using, it's saying it's an everyday decision. Another part of this word in the Greek, it means grace. Grace means that you offer something to somebody that they don't deserve. Does this person deserve to be let out? Absolutely not. But when I let them out, I let myself out. So I'm offering this so I can have freedom because I want to be free. So here's this grace and you don't deserve it. I may even tell you you don't deserve it, but I'm going to let you go. And the last word that he uses with his forgiving one another is gift. This word means gift. So watch this. It means that when we choose to forgive the person that has offended and hurt us, that we are offering them the gift of forgiveness. Why, pastor? They don't deserve it because Jesus did it for us and we don't deserve it. How many times, pastor, how many times has Jesus forgiven you? It's hard and it's a process. And I want you to write this down, okay? If you're sitting here today, what is the path to forgiveness? This is all rooted in the scripture. Number one, acknowledge the offense. Acknowledge, and the band's gonna come up and we're gonna close. Acknowledge that it was real. Acknowledge that what happened in the garden of betrayal was real. It was real. That you were deeply hurt. 
by a spouse, you are deeply hurt by someone in your life. It was real. You have to acknowledge, Jesus acknowledges it. You have to acknowledge the offense. Number two, ask God for help. Philippians 4, 6, bring your requests, make them known to God. Let me just tell you, in my experience, it is impossible to forgive the way I've been hurt and the way you've been hurt. It's impossible. So I have to literally come to God and say, God, Philippians 4, 6, would you please help me? I don't want to forgive this person. They don't deserve it. Would you please help me? And if that's not motivated enough, the next thing to the path to forgiveness is remember forgiveness is the command that he commands us to forgive. This is why we need his strength. Help me to forgive. And one of the most difficult things you will have to do is to pray for the offender. It's to begin to pray and 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 pray until they're set free. And then you hit repeat. And you do it again for the rest of your life. Because none of us in this room can escape hurt from other people. And you will get hurt the rest of your life. And hurt people, hurt people, and it just, it, there's a cycle. But you hit repeat. And so here's my challenge for you today. Last week we exposed the, the bitterness that's in our souls and hearts from being hurt. Today we recognize the path to forgiving the Judas of our life. I don't know who that is, but to begin, it's the process. It's not going to happen. It's not a one-time transaction. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a process. But I want to challenge you. Who hurt you? Has this church hurt you? Has somebody in this room hurt you? Has somebody from the past, who's hurt you? And my only call to action today is would you bring that to God? Say, God, help me to begin to forgive this person or persons. And be set free.